Chapter Fourteen of Red Gauntlet by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter Fourteen. Narrative of Alan Fairford continued. We left Alan Fairford on the deck of the little smuggling brig in that disconsolate situation when sickness and nausea attack a heated and fevered frame and an anxious mind his share of seasickness however was not so great as to engross his sensations entirely or altogether to divert his attention from what was passing around if he could not delight in the swiftness and agility with which the little frigate walked the waves or amuse himself by noticing the beauty of the sea-views around him where the distant skiddaw raised his brow as if in defiance of the clouded eminence of criffle which lorded it over the scottish side of the estuary he had spirits and composure enough to pay particular attention to the master of the vessel on whose character his own safety in all probability was dependent nanty ewart had now given the helm to one of his people a bald-pated grizzled old fellow whose whole life had been spent in evading the revenue laws and now and then the relaxation of a few months imprisonment for deforcing officers resisting seizures and the like offences nanty himself sat down by fairford helped him to his tea with such other refreshments as he could think of and seemed in his way sincerely desirous to make his situation as comfortable as things admitted fairford had thus an opportunity to study his countenance and manners more closely it was plain ewart though a good seaman had not been bred upon that element he was a reasonably good scholar and seemed fond of showing it by recurring to the subject of sallust and juvenal while on the other hand sea phrases seldom checkered his conversation he had been in person what is called a smart little man but the tropical sun had burnt his originally fair complexion to a dusty red and the bile which was diffused through his system had stained it with a yellowish-black what ought to have been the white part of his eyes in particular had a hue as deep as the topaz he was very thin or rather emaciated and his countenance though still indicating alertness and activity showed a constitution exhausted with excessive use of his favourite stimulus i see you look at me hard said he to fairford had you been an officer of the damned customs my terrier's backs would have been up he opened his breast and showed alan a pair of pistols disposed between his waistcoat and jacket placing his finger at the same time upon the cock of one of them but come you are an honest fellow though you're a close one i dare say you think me a queer customer but i can tell you they that see the ship leave harbour know little of the seas she is to sail through my father honest old gentleman 
never would have thought to see me master of the jumping jenny fairford said it seemed very clear indeed that mr ewart's education was far superior to the line he at present occupied oh criffle to solway moss said the other why man i should have been an expounder of the word with a wig like a snow-wreath and a stipend like 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 a hundred pounds a year i suppose i can spend thrice as much as that though being such as i am here he sang a scrap of an old northumbrian ditty mimicking the burr of the natives of that county willie foster's gone to sea siller buckles at his knee he'll come back and marry me canny willie foster i have no doubt said fairford your present occupation is more lucrative but i should have thought the church might have been more he stopped recollecting that it was not his business to say anything disagreeable more respectable you mean i suppose said ewart with a sneer and squirting the tobacco juice through his front teeth then was silent for a moment and proceeded in a tone of candour which some internal touch of conscience dictated and so it would mr fairford and happier too by a thousand degrees though i have had my pleasures too but there was my father god bless the old man a true chip of the old presbyterian block walked his parish like a captain on the quarter-deck and was always ready to do good to rich and poor off went the laird's hat to the minister as fast as the poor man's bonnet when the eye saw him pshaw what have i to do with that now yes he was as virgil hath it ver sapientia et pietat gravis but he might have been the wiser man had he kept me at home when he sent me at nineteen to study divinity at the head of the highest stair in the covenant close it was a cursed mistake in the old gentleman what though mrs cantrips of kittlebasket for she wrote herself no less was our cousin five times removed and took me on that account to board and lodging at six shillings instead of seven shillings a week it was a damned bad saving as the case proved yet her very dignity might have kept me in order for she never read a chapter excepting out of a cambridge bible printed by daniel and bound in embroidered velvet i think i see it at this moment and on sundays when we had a quart of twopenny ale instead of buttermilk to our porridge it was always served up in a silver posset dish also she used silver mounted spectacles whereas even my father's were cased in mere horn these things had their impression at first but we get used to grandeur by degrees well sir gad i can scarce get on with my story it sticks in my throat must take a trifle to wash it down well this dame had a daughter jess cantrips a black-eyed bouncing wench and as the devil would have it there was the damned five-story stair her foot was never from it 
whether i went out or came home from the divinity hall i would have eschewed her sir i would on my soul for i was as innocent a lad as ever came from lammermuir but there was no possibility of escape retreat or flight unless i could have got a pair of wings or made use of a ladder seven stories high to scale the window of my attic it signifies little talking you may suppose how all this was to end i should have married the girl and taken my chance i would by heaven for she was a pretty girl and a good girl till she and i met but you know the old song kirk would not let us be a gentleman in my case would have settled the matter with the kirk treasurer for a small sum of money but the poor stibbler the penniless dominie having married his cousin of kittlebasket must have proclaimed her frailty to the whole parish by mounting the throne of presbyterian penance and proving as othello says his love a whore in face of the whole congregation in this extremity i dared not stay where i was and so thought to go home to my father but first i got jack radaway a lad from the same parish and who lived in the same infernal stair to make some inquiries how the old gentleman had taken the matter i soon by way of answer learned to the great increase of my comfortable reflections that the good old man made as much clamour as if such a thing as a man's eating his wedding-dinner without saying grace had never happened since adam's time he did nothing for six days but cry out ichabod ichabod the glory is departed from my house and on the seventh he preached a sermon in which he enlarged on this incident as illustrative of one of the great occasions for humiliation and causes of national defection i hope the course he took comforted himself i am sure it made me ashamed to show my nose at home so i went down to leith and exchanging my hodden grey coat of my mother's spinning for such a jacket as this i entered my name at the rendezvous as an able-bodied landsman and sailed with the tender round to plymouth where they were fitting out a squadron for the west indies there i was put aboard the fairnot captain daredevil among whose crew i soon learned to fear satan the terror of my early youth as little as the toughest jack on board i had some qualms at first but i took the remedy tapping the case-bottle which i recommend to you being as good for sickness of the soul as for sickness of the stomach what you won't very well i must then here is to ye you would i am afraid find your education of little use in your new condition said fairford pardon me sir resumed the captain of the jumping jenny my handful of latin and small pinch of greek were as useless as old junk to be sure but my reading writing and accompting stood me in good stead and brought me forward i might have been schoolmaster ay and master 
in time but that valiant liquor rum made a conquest of me rather too often and so make what sail i could i always went to leeward we were four years broiling in that blasted climate and i came back at last with a little prize-money i always had thoughts of putting things to right in the covenant clothes and reconciling myself to my father i found out jack hadaway who was tup-toeing away with a dozen of wretched boys and a fine string of stories he had ready to regale my ears withal my father had lectured on what he called my falling away for seven sabbaths when just as his parishioners began to hope that the course was at an end he was found dead in his bed on the eighth sunday morning jack hadaway assured me that if i wished to atone for my errors by undergoing the fate of the first martyr i had only to go to my native village where the very stones of the street would rise up against me as my father's murderer here was a pretty item well my tongue clove to my mouth for an hour and was only able at last to utter the name of mrs cantrips oh this was a new theme for my job's comforter my sudden departure my father's no less sudden death had prevented the payment of the arrears of my board and lodging the landlord was a haberdasher with a heart as rotten as the muslin wares he dealt in without respect to her age or gentle kin my lady kittlebasket was ejected from her airy habitation her porridge-pot silver posset-dish silver-mounted spectacles and daniel's cambridge bible sold at the cross of edinburgh to the caddy who would bid highest for them and she herself driven to the workhouse where she got in with difficulty but was easily enough lifted out at the end of the month as dead as her friends could desire mary tidings this to me who had been the damned he paused a moment origo molly gad i think my confession would sound better in latin than in english but the best jest was behind i had just power to stammer out something about jess by my faith he had an answer i had taught jess one trade and like a prudent girl she had found out another for herself unluckily they were both contraband and jess cantrips daughter of the lady kittlebasket had the honour to be transported to the plantations for street-walking and pocket-picking about six months before i touched shore he changed the bitter tone of affected pleasantry into an attempt to laugh then drew his swarthy hand across his swarthy eyes and said in a more natural accent poor jess there was a pause until fairford pitying the poor man's state of mind and believing he saw something in him that but for early error and subsequent profligacy might have been excellent and noble helped on the conversation by asking in a tone of commiseration how he had been able to endure such a load of calamity why very well answered the seaman exceedingly well 
like a tight ship in a brisk gale let me recollect i remember thanking jack very composedly for the interesting and agreeable communication i then pulled out my canvas pouch with my hoard of mordors and taking out two pieces i bid jack keep the rest till i came back as i was for a cruise about old reeky the poor devil looked anxiously but i shook him by the hand and ran downstairs in such confusion of mind that notwithstanding what i had heard i expected to meet jess at every turning it was market-day and the usual number of rogues and fools were assembled at the cross i observed everybody looking strange on me and i thought some laughed i fancy i had been making queer faces enough and perhaps talking to myself when i saw myself used in this manner i held out my clenched fists straight before me stooped my head and like a ram when he makes his race darted off right down the street scattering groups of weather-beaten lairds and periwigged burgesses and bearing down all before me i heard the cry of seize the madman echoed in celtic sounds from the city guard with seize to madman but pursuit and opposition were in vain i pursued my career the smell of the sea i suppose led me to leith where soon after i found myself walking very quietly on the shore admiring the tough round and sound cordage of the vessels and thinking how a loop with a man at the end of one of them would look by way of tassel i was opposite to the rendezvous formerly my place of refuge in i bolted found one or two old acquaintances and made half a dozen new ones drank for two days was put aboard the tender off to portsmouth then landed at the haslar hospital in a fine hissing hot fever never mind i got better nothing can kill me the west indies were my lot again for since i did not go where i deserved in the next world i had something as like such quarters as can be had in this black devils for inhabitants flames and earthquakes and so forth for your element well brother something or other i did or said i can't tell what how the devil should i when i was as drunk as david's sow you know but i was punished my lad made to kiss the wench that never speaks but when she scolds and that's the gunner's daughter comrade yes the minister's son of no matter where has the cat's scratch on his back this roused me and when we were ashore with the boat i gave three inches of the dirk after a stout tussle to the fellow i blamed most and took the bush for it there were plenty of wild lads then along shore and i don't care who knows i went on the account look you sailed under the black flag and marrow bones was a good friend to the sea and an enemy to all that sailed on it fairford though uneasy in his mind at finding himself a lawyer so close to a character so lawless thought it best nevertheless 
to put a good face on the matter and asked mr ewart with as much unconcern as he could assume whether he was fortunate as a rover no no damn it no replied nanty the devil a crumb of butter was ever churned that would stick upon my bread there was no order among us he that was captain to-day was swabber to-morrow and as for plunder they say old avery and one or two close hunks made money but in my time all went as it came and reason good for if a fellow had saved five dollars his throat would have been cut in his hammock and then it was a cruel bloody work pa we'll say no more about it i broke with them at last for what they did on board of a bit of a snow no matter what it was bad enough since it frightened me i took french leave and came in upon the proclamation so i am free of all that business and here i sit the skipper of the jumping jenny a nutshell of a thing but goes through the water like a dolphin if it were not for yon hypocritical scoundrel at annan who has the best end of the profit and takes none of the risk i should be well enough as well as i want to be here is no lack of my best friend touching his case-bottle but to tell you a secret he and i have got so used to each other i begin to think he is like a professed joker that makes your sides sore with laughing if you see him but now and then but if you take up house with him he can only make your head stupid but i warrant the old fellow is doing the best he can for me after all and what may that be said fairford he is killing me replied nanty ewart and i am only sorry he is so long about it so saying he jumped on his feet and tripping up and down the deck gave his orders with his usual clearness and decision notwithstanding the considerable quantity of spirits which he had contrived to swallow while recounting his history although far from feeling well fairford endeavoured to rouse himself and walk to the head of the brig to enjoy the beautiful prospect as well as to take some note of the course which the vessel held to his great surprise instead of standing across to the opposite shore from which she had departed the brig was going down the firth and apparently steering into the irish sea he called to nanty ewart and expressed his surprise at the course they were pursuing and asked why they did not stand straight across the firth for some port in cumberland why this is what i call a reasonable question now answered nanty as if a ship could go as straight to its port as a horse to the stable or a free trader could sail the solway as securely as a king's cutter why i'll tell ye brother if i do not see a smoke on bowness that is the village upon the headland yonder i must stand out to sea for twenty-four hours at least for we must keep the weather-gauge if there are hawks abroad and if you do see the signal of safety master ewart what is to be done then 
why then and in that case i must keep off till night and then run you with the kegs and the rest of the lumber ashore at skinburness and then i am to meet with this same laird whom i have the letter for continued fairford that said ewart is thereafter as it may be the ship has its course the fair trader has his port but it is not easy to say where the laird may be found but he will be within twenty miles of us off or on and it will be my business to guide you to him fairford could not withstand the passing impulse of terror which crossed him when thus reminded that he was so absolutely in the power of a man who by his own account had been a pirate and who was at present in all probability an outlaw as well as a contraband traitor nancy ewart guessed the cause of his involuntary shuddering what the devil should i gain he said by passing so poor a card as you are have i not had ace of trumps in my hand and did i not play it fairly ay i say the jumping jenny can run in another ware as well as kegs put sigma and ta to ewart and see how that will spell do you take me now no indeed said fairford i am utterly ignorant of what you allude to now by jove said nancy ewart thou art either the deepest or the shallowest fellow i ever met with or you are not right after all i wonder where summer trees could pick up such a tender along shore will you let me see his letter fairford did not hesitate to gratify his wish which he was aware he could not easily resist the master of the jumping jenny looked at the direction very attentively then turned the letter to and fro and examined each flourish of the pen as if he were judging of a piece of ornamented manuscript then handed it back to fairford without a single word of remark am i right now said the young lawyer why for that matter answered nanty the letter is right sure enough but whether you are right or not is your own business rather than mine and striking upon a flint with the back of a knife he kindled a cigar as thick as his finger and began to smoke away with great perseverance allan fairford continued to regard him with a melancholy feeling divided betwixt the interest he took in the unhappy man and a not unnatural apprehension for the issue of his own adventure ewart notwithstanding the stupefying nature of his pastime seemed to guess what was working in his passenger's mind for after they had remained some time engaged in silently observing each other he suddenly dashed his cigar on the deck and said to him well then if you are sorry for me i am sorry for you damn me if i have cared a button for man or mother's son since two years since when i had another peep of jack hadaway the fellow was got as fat as a norway whale married to a great dutch-built queen 
that had brought him six children i believe he did not know me and thought i was come to rob his house however i made up a poor face and told him who i was poor jack would have given me shelter and clothes and began to tell me of the moidores that were in bank when i wanted them egad he changed his note when i told him what my life had been and only wanted to pay me cash and get rid of me i never saw so terrified a visage i burst out a laughing in his face told him it was all a humbug and that the moidores were all his own henceforth and for ever and so ran off i caused one of our people send him a bag of tea and a keg of brandy before i left poor jack i think you are the second person these ten years that has cared a tobacco stopper for nanty ewart perhaps mr ewart said fairford you live chiefly with men too deeply interested for their own immediate safety to think much upon the distress of others and with whom do you yourself consort i pray replied nanty smartly why with plotters that can make no plot to better purpose than their own hanging and incendiaries that are snapping the flint upon wet tinder you'll as soon raise the dead as raise the highlands you'll as soon get a grunt from a dead sow as any comfort from wales or cheshire you think because the pot is boiling that no scum but yours can come uppermost i know better by all these rackets and riots that you think are trending your way have no relation at all to your interest and the best way to make the whole kingdom friends again at once would be the alarm of such an undertaking as these mad old fellows are trying to launch into i really am not in such secrets as you seem to allude to said fairford and determined at the same time to avail himself as far as possible of nanty's communicative disposition he added with a smile and if i were i should not hold it prudent to make them much the subject of conversation but i am sure so sensible a man as summertrees and the laird may correspond together without offence to the state i take you friend i take you said nanty ewart upon whom at length the liquor and tobacco smoke began to make considerable innovation as to what gentlemen may or may not correspond about why we may pretermit the question as the old professor used to say at the hall and as to summer trees i will say nothing knowing him to be an old fox but i say that this fellow the laird is a firebrand in the country that he is stirring up all the honest fellows who should be drinking their brandy quietly by telling them stories about their ancestors and the forty-five and that he is trying to turn all waters into his own mill-dam and to set his sails to all winds and because the london people are roaring about for some pinches of their own he thinks to win them to his turn with a wet finger and he gets encouragement from some 
because they want a spell of money from him and from others because they fought for the cause once and are ashamed to go back and others because they have nothing to lose and others because they are discontented fools but if he has brought you or any one i say not whom into this scrape with the hope of doing any good he's a damned decoy duck and that's all i can say for him and you are geese which is worse than being decoy ducks or lame ducks either and so here is to the prosperity of king george the third and the true presbyterian religion and confusion to the pope the devil and the pretender i'll tell you what mr fairbarn i am but tenth owner of this bit of a craft the jumping jenny but tenth owner and must sail her by my owner's directions but if i were whole owner i would not have the brig be made a ferry-boat for your jacobitical old-fashioned popish riff-raff mr fairport i would not by my soul they should walk the plank by the gods as i have seen better men do when i sailed under the what do you call em colours but being contraband goods and on board my vessel and i with my sailing orders in my hand why i am to forward them as directed i say john roberts keep her up a bit with the helm and so mr fairweather what i do is as the damned villain turnpenny says all in the way of business he had been speaking with difficulty for the last five minutes and now at length dropped on the deck fairly silenced by the quantity of spirits which he had swallowed but without having showed any glimpse of the gaiety or even of the extravagance of intoxication the old sailor stepped forward and flung a sea-cloak over the slumberer's shoulders and added looking at fairford pity of him he should have this fault for without it he would have been as clever a fellow as ever trod a plank with ox leather and what are we to do now said fairford stand off and on to be sure till we see the signal and then obey orders so saying the old man turned to his duty and left the passenger to amuse himself with his own meditations presently afterward a light column of smoke was seen rising from the little headland i can tell you what we are to do now master said the sailor we'll stand out to sea and then run in again with the evening tide and make skinburnus or if there's not light we can run into the wampool river and put you ashore about kirkbride or leith's with the longboat fairford unwell before felt this destination condemned him to an agony of many hours which his disordered stomach and aching head were ill able to endure there was no remedy however but patience and the recollection that he was suffering in the cause of friendship as the sun rose high he became worse his sense of smell appeared to acquire a morbid degree of acuteness for the mere purpose of inhaling and distinguishing all the various odours with which he was surrounded from that of pitch 
to all the complicated smells of the hold his heart too throbbed under the heat and he felt as if in full progress towards a high fever the seamen who were civil and attentive considering their calling observed his distress and one contrived to make an awning out of an old sail while another compounded some lemonade the only liquor which their passenger could be prevailed upon to touch after drinking it off he obtained but could not be said to enjoy a few hours of troubled slumber End of chapter 14